It's important to know what your spouse likes and doesn't like and to not kind of, you know, get after them in something that really irritates them. For instance, my dear wife likes to wake up and come into the kitchen and find no dishes in the sink. Now, she these days she gets up before me. But um, when I was getting up before her, I had to be very careful because if I used any cup or bowl <laughs> or anything and I put it in the sink oh, and she walked into the kitchen. You were going down. I, it was not a pleasant experience. Well, I'm John Fuller in the studio with Aaron and Greg Smalley. They lead our marriage team. And I know that you two have counseled couples like me who have these irritations. <laughs> we leverage them sometimes just to spite our spouse. You've never seen it in your own relationship, no, though, right? No, we we have no irritations. The one that came to my mind as you said that, though, is I don't like large gathering parties, large gathering of people mm -hmm. that I really don't know. And there's a there's a party that we often get invited to every year. I'm not going to say where, when, just in case. This that is why you have an RSVP'd, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that where it's just it's a just a hundred people just jam packed together. Most of them I don't know, and it is always something that I lament and I'm begging Aaron. Don't make me go this year. <laughs> yeah, but I noticed recently he bought a new jacket. A new blazer, and yeah. he's like, "Hey, I could wear this to that party." Ooh. And I was like, "Oh, you are thinking, you're contemplating the fun party." And he's doing that to please who? <laughs> Aaron, <laughs> right? Possibly. And that's the answer. Yeah, and so, it's kind of sad and pathetic that that I will worry and fret and beg and try to sneak out <laughs> of a party that what one night that I your get it. dear wife wants to attend. Right. Yeah. Well, right. The, the, I get it. Yeah. The point here is that we have differences. We've <laughs> got to learn to live with those differences, embrace them. Let's go ahead and learn about spirituality and those differences as we hear part of a conversation that Gary Thomas and Jim Daly had in front of quite a large audience of couples. For people of faith, I mean, sacrifice is at the heart of our religion and what we're called to do. But here's how I like to make it more palatable for married people. I look at it as sanding two pieces of wood so they can be glued more closely together. Mm. And so the image I like to use, I call it killing spiders. The reason I say this, I don't have a problem with spiders. Actually, spiders do a lot of good things because they kill worse insects, right? But my wife hates to see spiders, the webs, because she's into cleanness. And, <laughs> well, and she doesn't want to see them. And so if there's a spider in the middle of the house, you know, I, I kill it because I love my wife. It bothers my wife, so I'm going to kill it. I don't want the spider in my house. Okay, this is so opposite of my wife because she makes me put it in a jar and take it outside. <laughs> What's the deal with that? Yeah, well, I would much rather kill it. That is my <laughs> sacrifice. See, my wife would be angry if in trying to rescue it, I let it get away, uh, which I did recently <laughs> with a spider. I mean, I think she just wanted me to man up and kill that thing. But anyway, um, so here's what I mean about killing spiders. Let's say, because this is not at all true of Lisa's family history, but let's say her dad had been an alcoholic. He, he wasn't. But while I might not have a theological problem with alcohol, and I know some people, I'm not trying to make that point, I would just say, even if I didn't think the Bible said I shouldn't drink alcohol at all, I could imagine that just smelling it on my breath or maybe one night I have just a little bit too much and so my speech is a little bit slurred or I'm a little bit stumped. It's going to bring back the horror of a real childhood of how alcohol made her life so miserable. 
And I think I want her to feel safe around me, not threatened. I want her to have hope for our future, not fear. That's a spider I should kill. It's not about what's right or wrong. It's about what makes my wife feel close to me. If we were on a second marriage, we're not. Lisa and I are on our first marriage and our only marriage. But let's say her first husband had wrecked her marriage through excessive video gaming. I could imagine a good spider to kill be, you know what? I think that might be a good spider to kill because I can imagine picking up the game controller and she said, hey, honey, I'm, I'm going to go upstairs. Yeah, I'll be there in 15 minutes. And then I forget and I get in a game. It's been 90 minutes and then she's asleep and she's going to be thinking, here it is again. It wrecked my first marriage. It's recognizing that your spouse has legitimate pasts and legitimate issues. How do you kill those spiders so that they feel that they can be close to you and safe in your presence? An image I've used was with my youngest daughter who was in three accidents on the freeway before she was 23 and none of them were her fault. Now those are scary auto accidents. Mm. She has to drive in the front when she's with me because she gets sick in the back seat so she rides shotgun. When she's in the car with me, I drive like Grandpa Gary. And this is in Houston, Texas, you know, where they are, it's a contest. I'm leaving as much space as I can between cars. I'm not treating other cars as they treat me because I want my daughter just to feel safe. She has a real history. It's not her fault. She's been through trauma and it's how do I make her not feel that trauma? So some people might say, well, Gary, I enjoy an occasional beer. Or I like my game controller. Or I like to drive aggressively. I said, if you knew what an intimate and connected marriage was, you would realize that those individual pursuits aren't worth half as much. It's a sacrifice that results in a much greater blessing called an intimate marriage. And so I want to be able to kill those things that keep me and my wife apart or just make her not feel safe or welcomed or loved or cherished in my presence. Yes, yeah. I can imagine, Gary, in some relationships, though, uh, there's a question that might linger with the spouse who's trying to kill the spiders where it's, it's almost an expectation, again, something that's dangerous, an expectation that you should be over this by this point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it because I know people are thinking it. Um, how do you deal with that as the person who has that thought in the marriage? Like, you know, these are things that should have been taken care of long ago. It sounds cold, but I think people do kind of say, you know, you've been a Christian 20 years. Why is this still bugging you? Yeah. Well, I love to read brain science, and I would just say trauma is a legitimate physiological injury. Mm -hmm. It's not just mental, it's real. It can be seen, it can be scoped out, and it doesn't always just heal on its own. Um, and the brain is the kind of thing, look, people have been through this if they've ever had relatives who have brain injuries or whatnot. It's not easily understood and it's not easily fixed. But what you can do, Jim, I think, is to ask your spouse to help you kill that spider. Here's an example for Lisa and I. It's amazing because I'm the introvert and she's the extrovert. And so when we're traveling together, when we became empty nesters, we're traveling together. She's having all these conversations with people. I'm up front <laughs> on the stage, but she's having all these conversations and she's always telling me about it. And for whatever reason, she just, it's amazing to me, we could be at a hotel for three days and come out of an elevator. And if our room is right, she goes left. 
you think 50% of the time she would just accidentally go the right way because I let her go out first, but it's just, it's almost like repelling magnets. She goes the wrong way or we go to the parking lot. If our car is north, she goes south. And it's always kind of amazed me. So we came out of an elevator one time. We'd been there several days and, and she did the same thing. Our room was left. She went right. I go, seriously? And that didn't make her feel close to me that evening, right? And when you're, when you're about to go into a hotel room ticking off your wife like that, I just thought, okay, that, I, I don't want to do that next time. Yeah. So we tried it the next night, and, and she did the same thing, and so I just stayed where I was. And she walked about 20 yards down the hall, realized I wasn't next to her. Shockingly, that also didn't make her feel very close to me. That made her angry. And so I'm trying to put it on her, as you said, well, look, if I say something, it makes you angry. If I don't say anything, it makes you feel stupid. Obviously, I, there's nothing I can do. She goes, Gary, it's so easy. It's so easy. Just say it, this tone, this way, hon. Exactly that tone, this way, hon. And we'll both be so happy. Well, the next trip, I got to practice it. She went the wrong way. I said, this way, hon. She gave me this gorgeous smile. We laughed about it. And something that could have pulled us apart, I just said, tell me how I do that, actually now draws us together with happy memories. So I, I would say to wives, if the husbands say, I feel disrespected when you treat me like that, okay, I don't want you to feel disrespected. So tell me a better way to respond to you so that we can still deal with the issue, but that you can help me do it in a way so that this stops pulling us apart and actually creates understanding so it can pull it together. So I think it's totally legitimate to say, I want to love you. I don't know how to love you. I don't know how to make you feel safe. So why don't you help me um, and then have that conversation? Aaron, some of this is just trial and error, right? I mean, um, we have to learn these things the hard way. Our theme this month is mentoring, so please share from your experience about any annoying patterns that you and Greg have had to work through and how you've come to a great spiritual place as a result of working yeah. through this. Yeah. So Aaron, use your imagination. <laughs> yes. Right? It's interesting because the one that comes to mind is when Greg, it was it was when we first were moving to Colorado from Arkansas and Greg came to focus early and I was at home packing and kind of organizing things and I had very strategically set everything that I needed to know where it was at in one of my piles because I am a pile person and I know exactly what is there and of course moving <laughs> I had to be very very intentional about which pile things went into and so Greg came home on the weekend and we were, it was like our last weekend that he was going to be home and we were finally getting everything packed up. And he took all of my piles while I was gone hmm. and moved them into the garage on one big table. Because trying the, to be the, helpful the and mess efficient. Was, the mess was kind of irritating you, if I were to guess. Piles in general Got irritate it. me. Yeah. And so, I, oh. I don't know that I've ever flipped my lid quite so much. Because just took all of your disorganized over. organization. It, uh, it took me to a real bad yeah. place. Wow. <laughs> so it was I don't the know. last thing on earth that that would happen. I thought she would say, "Hey, thanks for taking." I didn't rearrange. Well, I didn't <laughs> do anything to as the piles. As, you, as soon as you put a qualifier on it, yeah. it's, it's all over. And I, I'm That's like, right. so you put all of my piles in the garage on a big table. 
that, you know, it's only 115 <laughs> degrees outside and 120,000% humidity. And, you know, and I'm supposed to go out there and work through my piles. I said, it would be like me getting on your computer and taking just bits and pieces <laughs> of different files and moving them <laughs> and, and collaborating them together. And so you've since done that a few times just to help him remember the point, That's right? a good, I need to do that. <laughs> that, was, that was a very powerful now, word picture. If I may, we were trying to bring this up to a point of spiritual growth through working yes. through these differences. So how, where, where did we work through this yet? <laughs> I would say most importantly is... When something like this transpires and you see a pattern of like, okay, my spouse is different than me. And when he does that, she does that. I don't like it. Stepping back and being aware of what's getting triggered inside of me mm -hmm. and really getting to know like, okay, we both matter here. And how do we do this in a way that honors both of us, making room for both of us? We're going to have those dif differences and those irritations. Well, lately, so how this is actually played I was out ask, in our marriage. Yeah, there's an application somewhere here. Is that I did finally identify for me the issue around piles. And it just, it feels chaotic to me to have mm -hmm. piles really primarily in the main living area. It just, it, it does something to me. It just, it overwhelms me. It stresses me out. And I shared that with Aaron and just said, is there a way that we could figure this out that would feel good to both of us? Because I'm not trying to control you. If you like piles, make piles. Yeah. But having them in kind of the spot where, where we spend most of our time, which is our kitchen area, um, I said that just, it, it really stresses me out to have that cluttered. And I had this conversation with our kids as well, going, you know what, I, I've never really stood up for myself going, that this this really overwhelms me, and that's not a win. And Aaron did a great job of saying, "So I'm hearing what you're saying that that overwhelms you and feels cluttered." And and we were able to work through how could she continue to have piles, but just not in that main, yeah, just now, that one room, that one now area. My piles, as well as everyone else in the family's piles, go into my office. Yeah. <laughs> and but what I love is that Greg was willing to speak up and mm. say this doesn't feel good to me because how would I know that? Yeah. I mean, I had an idea, but <laughs> it's important. When she'd find me in the fetal position on the ground, <laughs> she <laughs> thought something was going on. Flying everywhere. Yeah. I'm just so, holding piles in my arms so on the ground. Let's go back to the mentoring idea. So the, here's a couple saying, oh, okay, well, Greg and Aaron have helped me realize that we have an issue and I don't know how to find the win. So how do I even start? What's the first step I can take toward finding the win here? I would say the first step, the most important step is reminding each other we're on the same team here. And as we, we're going to figure something out that feels good to both of us, and it's going to take some time and exploration of what's really going on underneath the surface, mm -hmm. what's getting triggered for me, what's getting triggered for Greg. But then, you know, as we understand that, moving into what works for us, yeah. for both of us. Well, have the conversation. Be um, bold enough to say, I love you. There's something we really just need to figure out, and I, I want to figure it out with you. So it's, uh, as Bob Paul has said, and Greg, you've, you've said this as well, find the win-win. Nobody should lose on this team. It's a win-win. If you need some help figuring that out, give us a call. We have counselors here. Um, we have great resources that we can point you to, including the book by Gary Thomas, A Lifelong Love, which... We'll send to you when you make a one-time gift or a monthly pledge of any amount to the Ministry of Focus on the Family. 
Uh, join the support team. Make an impact on marriages around the world through us. And we'll send that book, A Lifelong Love, to you to help you uh, make adjustments in your relationship and grow together as a couple. And you can hear the full conversation with Gary Thomas. Uh, we've got that available as a free download. It's called Breathe Spiritual Life into Your Marriage. A lot of wisdom in it, and uh, we'll link over to it in the show notes. Next time, we're going to be turning a corner and addressing what to do when there's a pornography problem in the relationship. For now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron Smalley and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. Thank you.